Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. All right. Well, if you didn't hear the first mistake, you're going to go, you're going to want to go back and listen to mistake number 1 where we talk about uh, what it means to use your problems to grow you. And so what we're doing is a little series on the podcast here, seven mistakes that everybody makes but few actually learn from. So we're in mistake number 2 and I have my good buddy as a guest again with me, Brett, all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Brett, welcome. Glad you're here, man. It's good to be here. Is it like 115 where you are too? Um, no, I wish. Uh, it's <laughs> so like, it's like 88, but people think it's horrible here and then when it's uh negative 2 degrees, they'll be like, "I want to move." Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, everybody always struggles with being happy, <laughs> which is funny because I, that was like the best transition ever, totally unplanned. Um, we're in mistake number two, and we want to talk about what it means when you're unknowingly driven by your fear. And so what's happened for a lot of people is they've started to get a shade of awareness that fear is used constantly as a short-term motivator. Um, And we look at our lives, we look at cable news, we look at the cycles of uh, systems around us that try to get us to do certain actions and do certain things. And fear is constantly used to try to get people, so to speak, in line, to follow the system, uh, to accept and swallow the indoctrination. And there's a lot that we could say about that, and we have in some places. I'm thinking about the No More Robots podcast. But really what I want to do with this mistake is talk about that individual personalized fear. When you feel afraid of who you really are. Now that sounds weird. If you walked up to the average person and said, are you afraid of who you are? Is there fear in relationship to what you believe about yourself? A lot of people wouldn't necessarily be able to put words to that. However, in those dark moments when people really get to a place of, oh my gosh, what is going on? They start to get a sense of, is this true about me? Uh, Actually, I just read a story today from uh, the Instagram account Humans of New York which it's just a snapshot and then a story of people's lives. Mm. And the snapshot in the story, it was this guy saying he was on a ledge and he's hearing this voice that's saying, you know, go ahead and jump. You don't, you're a piece of crap. You don't mean anything. Mm. Uh, And so it was a really visceral experience for him to hear that. And then to have a breakthrough moment where he was able to hear truth about who he is. There was some light that broke through that dark moment. And here's what's crazy about this whole thing. All of us need this awareness, or we're going to make the mistake that everybody makes, but few learn from, we're going to be unknowingly driven by our fear. It's going to shape the decisions we make in our job, how we execute at work. It's going to shape our decisions about our relationships. Uh, So we build a life 
that we end up hating with people that we might or might not love. And so decades and decades invested into constantly being driven by our fear. So we want to we pull back the shade on that to understand what does it mean. And this isn't uh, something that's far off and squishy and uh, hard to get our mind around. But you can be happy regardless of your circumstances. Um, for me, where I started to really open up into this awareness and insight was a season that uh, we referenced in the first mistake of just deep struggle. Mm -hmm. And in that season of deep struggle, I had to hustle just day to day to, to keep our family going. And it's the screenshot on my computer, and I recognize when you're hustling day to day to even have a computer, it, it was fortunate to have such a, a wealth-building tool to be able to, to work and email and all that. But uh, I had as a screenshot the image uh, from the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, well, where Will Smith is in the subway bathroom, leaning up against the door. Mm. I mean, this movie is crazy based on a true story about what this guy went through and what it would be like for me to understand that everything that was happening, that I wasn't defined by my circumstances. And what that allowed me to do was to get free of the fear. Now, here's the thing. Before you even need to think about your fear, let's just relax our way into this idea and start thinking about how others act out of fear. Think about people that you're connected to that always have something to prove, right? Every time you get in a conversation with them about your kid's sports activities, they've got to outdo it. Every time that you get into a conversation with them about some advancement out at work, they've got to outdo it. Um, now, some of that's just fun, right? One of my closest friends, I was at a party, and I was telling a story about the time that I was in a hot air balloon crash. And he seriously, in a funny way, was like, that ain't nothing. And then he told a story about when he was in a plane crash. Oh, snap. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. But I'm talking about those moments where you move into the new place and you have the person over and they can't even comment on it. Uh, there's just not an ability to really celebrate who you are or what's happening in your life. Instead, they've got to find a way to always bring it back around to how can they prove to you that they're superior? How can they prove to you that they're better? Now, people would look at that at a surface level and go, that's so prideful. It's not actually pride, a bloated sense of self. Uh, it's insecurity. It's fear. Another way that we could say this is I've never met a person who is secure who always has something to prove. Instead, we can understand they feel insecure about who they are, so they're trying to prove something to others. Not only do we need to just scan across the environment and think about people that we're connected to that are always proving, we can sniff that out, marketing and ad speak and all these things that happen. Think about the people you're connected to that are very withdrawn. You probably know somebody who is afraid to really bring the full weight of who they are to a situation. They're afraid to establish some boundaries and say, this is who I am, this is what it means to be me, and, and, and because they can't bring the full weight of who they are, they can't establish those boundaries, uh, they're, they're hiding. Now, not only are proving and hiding happening in these extreme examples, 
But there are parts of it that are happening in, in everybody's life. You can think of people that you're connected to. Oftentimes, if you have a deep relationship with them, maybe a, a friendship or it's a, a partner or a loved one, where there are moments they become rigid and hard and they're not going to interact with you. And so there's a wall that's put up and they're withdrawn. Or there's an argument that ensues and the words always and never are there so that they can win that argument and exert some pressure, bring some manipulation so that they can get their way. People that are insecure don't know how to modulate or live in the tension of bringing the weight of who they are to the situation without manipulating and pressuring. And so just scan around, look around your environment, just think about it. Think about recent examples you've had where there's been conflict or tension. And in that conflict or tension, think about what was really going on. As you start to deconstruct this and as you process this, you'll find somebody felt insecure. And maybe that triggered another insecure reaction. And very quickly those insecure reactions built on top of each other to the point that you had a bigger brewing conflict. So the first thing that we want to do is just help, uh, help you understand that this reality of fear is there for everyone. And we're not talking about a fear of tornado. That's a proper fear. We're not talking about a fear of downsizing your company. That could be a proper fear. We're getting to a deeper level and saying there's probably a fear that you believe about who you are that's unknowingly driving you. Um, now, before I get into those fears, just checking in, uh, Brett, any thoughts or questions, something to add? Yeah, your articulation of this is really good because uh, I'm sure all of us can sit here and like we know people uh, who have exhibited the exact things you've talked about. And we don't know how to – it takes me forever to – like you knew it was off. Like this person's really uncomfortable to talk to because it's always talking about himself or this boss is really – you know, uncomfortable to work for because uh, the pressure he puts us under or, you know, our best articulation of it is he's a jerk. I don't want to work for him. But like this awareness, um, your articulation of it is like, get, oh, there's a reason behind what he's doing. He's not just a jerk. He's there's something else going on behind there. Um, I feel like I'm turning into a Tai Chi master sensing all these like <laughs> these subtleties that are uh, that are happening below the surface. Well, what it allows you to do is, yeah, to see things as others aren't seeing them. Mm -hmm. They're just dealing with that data that's right there in front of them. And so they're missing uh, the deeper reality, the bigger clues about what's happening in this situation. So when I look at this and, and I'm looking at this in my life and I'm thinking through how it plays itself out, when I find myself in a place that I need to prove something or I'm afraid and need to hide, that is a clue and a signal to me that something is going on here, that I feel insecure about who I am. And really the thing that needs to be deconstructed here is this notion that says uh, you figure out the fear and then you just got to face it. Well, that's true if you're dealing at just a surface-level fear. Um, there are some things in life that you should be afraid of, uh, like the downsizing, like the tornado, 
but you don't need to live in the constant threat of a tornado just because a storm is passing. Uh, you don't have to live in the constant threat of I'm going to lose my job uh, because then that keeps you in a defensive position, insecure, and you'll probably in a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of way get the very result you don't want to see happen. But what we need to do is not just face the fear that we think is there. It's getting underneath it to this fear that's related to who we are. And so what we've found in working with people is that uh, there are fears that we could articulate or put words to that help them get un- to get understanding about what they would believe falsely about themselves. Uh, and there's a number of different ways that we talk about this. Uh, but for the purpose of, of this mistake, when I'm unknowingly driven by my fear, uh, which keeps me from being able to be happy regardless of my circumstances, and that, I mean, that is not just something far off. Uh, I have learned that in the reality of facing uh, these circumstantial fears that gave me insight into fears about who I am. Oh my gosh. I don't have to have that next purchase to be happy. I don't have to make that future plan to distract myself from this internal pain that I feel. Uh, I can embrace vulnerability. I don't have to run for cover. I can let go of the fear of failure and proving my worth. Um, I don't have to live in pretense or deceit or cover up the inadequacies that I feel. I can say those words that are so hard. I failed. I was wrong. I lied, I tried to do too much, I don't know, I need help. And so what I've had to learn to do is to be vulnerable, to pull the wall down with myself first. If we're going to pull the... Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. How this idea of happiness regardless of my circumstances, how is this different than, you know, common self-help is just like, you just choose to be happy. Like you can wake up every day and just choose to be happy. And it's like this willful, uh, um, force your way into like happiness regardless in all circumstances. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Well, and again, you don't have to be happy about what's happening and, and you could find a different word. Not everybody's going to like using the word happy. Some people are going to be put off by that word. Well, it's not really happiness because that's connected to your circumstances. It's more about a standpoint of joy that's not connected to your circumstances. Whatever words people want to use, a lot of that can break down and be semantics. But the reason that we're not just able to flip a switch, because if it were that easy, if it were as easy as we're saying, just flipping a switch, then um, everybody would just do it. How come it's so hard? It would be like if my daughter came to me and was like, I really don't believe that you love me. And so I took a card out and I wrote it on her, wrote it on the card and said, I love you. And I want you to read this and memorize it. There's something in our culture that says we can fix ourselves by fixating on something external that eventually will get it into our insides internally. Yeah. And so if my wife saw my daughter walking around the kitchen with that card that says, I love you, furrowed eyebrows, focused on trying to get it, you know, inside of her, she goes, what are you doing? She goes, well, I don't really believe daddy loves me. So if I stare at this card long enough and memorize what's on here, it'll get on the inside of me. Well, that's not what she needs. That's not actually going to work. That is going to wear off when she gets tired 
Uh, if you take this from the recovery movement, when she gets hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, I like what people are doing now with hangry, hungry, and angry. Uh, <laughs> when, when we're one of those, we're going to drift back into those default settings, those default settings where we feel fear about who we are. And so if she's just trying to memorize it, it's going to get shut down. So what she has to receive, if you will, is when I pick her up and hug her and say, I love you. Feel this love. Um, hey, I bought out Disney World for the day. We're going to go to Disney World. And they've put together a custom show just so you can hear over and over, viscerally, on every level possible, that I love you. So the way that this shifts out of just some kind of superficial self-help into truly deep change where the wiring of our brain changes, right? The baseline of who we are becomes different. It's when internally we learn to see, feel, and hear a different reality about who we are. The quickest way to get to seeing, feeling, and hearing a different reality about who we are is to figure out with as much precision as possible what we're afraid of in who we are. Maybe that fear is that we're never going to belong, right? And so we're always trying to break into the party, and we always seem to be left out. Uh, We always find ourselves in a place where we're not being included. Maybe that fear is, and and you know, so you just talk about that fear in a marriage. Oh, no, they're going to leave me at work. Uh, I'm going to get kicked off the team. Well, all of those fears, uh, when they just when we obsess over them, when we fixate over them, we end up pushing the people away because of our insecurity. Uh, maybe that fear is, you know, if I'm not needed, I'm not loved. And I know a lot of people wouldn't want to necessarily jump right into talking about love when you're talking about leadership and athletics and entrepreneurialism and, um, you know, just doing your thing professionally at the highest level possible. But it's crazy the number of uh, folks that will, if you give them just two minutes of talk time and ask some questions, because I've seen this happen so many times, get to a place that they understand, oh, I'd like to talk a game where I'm proving how hard I am, how, how rigid I am, how tough I am. But I'm really afraid that if I'm not needed on this team, I won't be loved. I just won't be loved for who I am. If I'm not uh, making myself codependent in this relationship, I'm not going to be loved. Maybe that fear is that if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to be hurt. Um, if I put myself in a place where I don't always have the upper hand, well, that's you're going to be a terrible leader, terrible parent, a terrible partner uh, in any kind of um, romantic relationship. If that's your posture, you're always trying to get the upper hand. And you're going to push them away in conflict. Um, maybe that fear is that you know, you're only worthy if you perform in an awesome way. And so you have to earn your right to be alive every day. Um, that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And you're going to exhaust others around you. Maybe that fear is that uh, you, know, you have to look out for yourself. Nobody, nobody's going to help take care of you. And there's a truism that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. But if we, if we think that we're alone and we never are able to say to others, help me, 
help take care of this. Uh, help me in this situation. Then we're going to find, again, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yeah, nobody's here to take care of me. Um, so what we've seen in working with people over and over is a few of these questions. You get into you know, a few of these questions about who are you, what do you do, what are the relational roles you fulfill, what happens if those relational roles don't work out, what happens if you fail at the objectives you're trying to complete get them to a place that that fear is going to come to the surface. I am not enough. I will be alone. I will not be loved. Right? Whatever those are. Uh, that's the key thing that's operating underneath the surface that's driving all of the choices that you're making unconsciously or consciously. Uh, you could sit down and try to evaluate something from a pro-con standpoint, but you don't realize how fear is driving the perception of what the pro and the con is. Uh, you could be reacting blindly in a moment full of, full of rage and going quiet, passive anger or active anger, manipulating and trying to pressure and power up to get your way. And it's fear. Unless your anger is being enacted to protect yourself or someone else that's being harmed, fear is underneath that anger. Anger is a surface emotion. So over and over we want to come back to that fear. And how this escapes from being a self-help trap is learning that um, you can create an internal reality, a new baseline. Uh, your brain has neuroplasticity. It can be rewired so that you relax your way into truly feeling and seeing and hearing. I am enough. I am loved. I'm not going to be alone. Uh, I can be vulnerable, and I won't always be hurt. Obviously, you're going to be hurt. Obviously, you're going to feel moments of loneliness. You know, all of these things are just real life. But that we can learn to keep going, happy with who we are, regardless of the circumstances. And that's the way that I would define this with the most clarity. Happy with who we are. That's huge. I mean, why do we resonate towards songs about that? Why do my uh, younger preteen daughters love songs that basically talk about this idea? Because they're at this phase, and I remember being at that phase where it's like, I want to be this way, but I don't know if my parents will let me. Um, I, I, I grew up in a context that was pretty conservative, and so things like even like long hair on guys was seen as a negative. Well, what did I want to do more than anything else? Mm -hmm. Grow my hair long. <laughs> and, uh, and I grew I it in the... Oh my gosh, it was so <laughs> gross. I grew it long in the back, and um, I, I grew it long in the back, and then I wanted it to be curly, and I didn't know how to get it curly other than a perm. I freaking permed the back <laughs> of my hair... And then I looked in a mirror and thought it looked gross because it was sticking out curly on the sides, and I know jack about hair, so I took my scissors and cut it on each side facing the mirror uh, so that it would look good straight at the mirror, and I have this botched... Uh, curly long hair in the back, uh, all because I was trying to figure out who I was, mm. and the confines of what I was experiencing was causing me to want to press up against the edges and find how can I experiment and explore uh, these outer rings that are off limits, and and obviously if that's what I'm doing, 
and and there's any kind of um, you know hyper rigid uh, approaches to being who you are, and there's no freedom in that. Mm. What gets buried underneath the surface? That's where the real danger occurs. So I put myself in a lot of dangerous positions in high school that were stupid and foolish that uh, could have been in jail for a number of bad decisions because I'm going to prove to others you're not who I'm not who you think I am, and I'm going to hide stuff from my parents that's going to grow underneath the surface and it's going to become this subterranean problem. Uh, all because I'm not bringing it out to light. I'm not giving it air. If we put light on it, if we bring some air to it, it's not going to keep growing in the dark. Um, We had some mold recently in our basement, and we had to have a service come and treat it. And before this service had come and treat it, uh, the people before us just tried to spray some white paint over it to try to cover it up. And they tried to encapsulate it. The problem is you can't. It just grew right out of that encapsulation. So it had to be legitimately treated. And then after it was treated, we had to have it airing out. We have to keep the humidity low. Um, And what for a lot of us we don't realize is our internal world, it's like that. We don't just say, I'm going to be happy. We, We open the windows. We get some air in. We, We bring some light to some things that we're afraid to admit about ourselves. Um, and for me, what put me on this path about seven or eight years ago, uh, no, this will be longer now, about nine or ten years ago, a friend said to me, you need to go research worth because you have some worth issues because I was driven and trying to perform and get accepted and prove myself. And as I started to research and do a lot of study, I found everybody that is talking about change is either dealing with it at a surface level, not dealing with the deep roots of the fear that's actually there, and the fear that suffocates, that unknowingly drives you, is always related to your identity, or then they're talking about change like you just flipped the switch. And it's not really something that you uh, build your internal world in such a way that you relax into that baseline. Now, to even talk about how to do that could take hours. Uh, But we want to get people right now just focusing on one simple step to get aware of their fear. And that that would be that they would find one small moment of proving or hiding. If they can find one small moment of proving or hiding, that awareness, their brain will get excited about it. And they'll start to organize around it. Mm. And it'll produce an immediate change of trajectory. So the change isn't going to be overnight. It's not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm totally different now. Uh, I was, uh, you know, this was um, about seven years ago after I started doing some of this internal uh, research and looking at myself and studying some things. And uh, I became aware, like, oh my gosh, I'm making a small moment with my daughter about me feeling good as a parent. That one insight put me on a completely different growth trajectory because I became aware in a small moment of when I wanted to prove something. And so if, if people listening to this could think back on their day or you know, as they experience their day, these words come back to their mind and there's a flag that just shoots up 
And they go, oh, right there. I wanted to prove that. Right there, I wanted to hide. They've noticed one small moment where fear was driving their action. And it was a fear about who they are. Um, is this making sense, how it starts at that one small action? Yeah, it really does. And uh, and I've, I've seen this uh, myself, but how if you start noticing each of these little small moments, those things get magnified in big moments, but it's the same stuff happening. There's no difference between the big and the small. This like innocent road rage on your commute to work is no different than your, I don't say your children acting out uh, against you at home. Like all that anger, it's still, it's the, the root of that. The origin of that is, is coming from the same place. So if you can, if you can come aware of it and deal with it and process it in small moments where it seems like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Consequences aren't really that big of a deal. If you can start working on it, then you're saving yourself when the consequences are real and, and are bigger. That's it. I mean, life is, uh, you know, more the 10,000 small choices we're making every day that move us in a direction than a few big epic ones. Yeah. And so uh, what when, when fear is in control, everything is perceived as a false threat to our identity. And it's a false threat because we learn that our identity is secure and stable and solid. Nobody can take from who we are. Uh, no human being is responsible for our worth, our dignity, our safety, our uh, feeling of love in a way that they can completely meet that. Uh, if they could, and if we make another human being responsible for that, uh, it'll eventually run out. Uh, you know, that's a toxic relationship. Um, yeah. But but if they could give us everything they have, it won't be enough because that's still external, and we need it internal. So we need to be in a place where internally we believe who we are in truth, and we're not succumbing to the fear so that we can interact in those relationships and enjoy it when they give us uh, what we're afraid they won't give us, but also not be crushed when they don't. Mm. And so what I'm looking at when I uh, look at somebody and I'm working with them, I want to help them understand steps change things, small steps change things, change things in your life more than heroic action if you can recognize the smallest and minute of weak points. Um, So the first mistake, we gave him the exercise of imagining, if it all falls apart, I am blank. What we're doing when we do that, it's like when you're exercising. If you're squatting with no weight, your body frame and your posture and everything could stay in a good place, a solid core, right? Feet planted, uh, putting the weight on your heel, knees, uh, you know, shoulders behind your knees, good posture. We put some weight on there. The stress load breaks down the form. And so now all of a sudden you're leaning forward or you're cocking your feet out, swinging them out to the sides to adjust for that extra load. The reason in the first one we wanted them to think about what happens if it falls apart is because we want to create the conditions that make that load feel like it's increased to expose the weak point in the form. What this is about is getting precision on what's the weak point in the form. 
What are you doing to compensate with the stress and pressures of life? Because everybody's doing it. And the results that are created from us trying to compensate for those stress and pressures, it's, it's this little weak point where we turn our foot out, right? And then all of a sudden now we have a relationship that's been going on for 10 years that we don't really know who we are. We don't really know who they are. We're just bouncing around off of each other's fears. Uh, we're, we're four years into a job. We're 20 years into a job. We're 40 years into a job where we still have not learned how to bring the unobstructed expression of who we are into our doing. Um, so if you want to think about it this way, here's kind of like the truth of what we want to help people understand. You can have certainty in who you are. You can't have certainty in what you're going to do, right? Your career, things you're going to try and attempt and... You know, the entrepreneur, the professional, uh, the CEO leading the company, the athlete that's going to go for it all, there is no certainty that they're going to get the result that they want. Mm. The quickest way to get there is to have certainty in who they are because when they have certainty who they are, they'll have clarity in what they do. So they'll know what they're going to go after. They'll have focus. They'll bring that passion. They'll bring that unobstructed expression. And then in their relationships, there will be confidence because they're not looking at their relationships saying, I need you to make me feel whole. So when we can help people understand be, do, have from mistake number one, we can help them understand certainty in who you are, clarity in what you do, confidence in your relationships. So what's going to block confidence in your relationships and clarity in what you do? Not being certain of who you are. And the quickest way to figure out where you need to know certainty in who you are is to get insight into the fear and say, oh, this is it. You know, we, we make things so complex. We look at uh, businesses and we try to provide 17 steps to get out of this mess. Subtle, simple solutions are always the best. We haven't done our work until we know a subtle, simple solution. And an and in-depth understanding of who we are will always help us open up the breadth of what we have to offer. So what if you just need to go play? Um, I can get a lot of insight about myself by going down the road and playing hoops with my neighbor or heading to the gym or having a lingering meal and drinks with a friend because I'm going to relax in to who I really am and what I'm afraid of. And so for a lot of people, it's helping them get insight into this fear. How's that going to happen? Well, they look at what if it falls apart? What would I believe about myself? Uh, maybe they need to go play, change it up, do something different, uh, go for a drive, take the long way home, and start thinking about where does their form break down? Where is their one small moment? or they're trying to prove or hide something about who they am. Because if they can get that, even if they don't hear these other five mistakes and they don't learn those, it's going to get them on a pathway to be discerning and be their own guide. And it's going to start here, rep, rec, uh, recognizing these little micro changes that make sense. Um, 
I know you're in athletics, and so this is the physical analogy. Uh, it's right on. It's, yeah, right on. I mean, I just think about um, you could, you know, read articles and stuff about our training staff and uh, how they're, uh, you know, a lot of the, some of the best in the business. But the way they talk about, like, movement of the body, like, we got knee issues. It's not because the knee it's because of flexibility in the hip and the way we're moving. And um, I remember working with one athlete and he, he like relearned how to stop running. So they taught him all over because the mechanics of his body were out of whack. And, uh, and you had to back, back pedal, you know, backtrack and, and learn the foundation of that over again because a little imbalancing muscles or something was throwing everything off. Um, so yeah, what you're saying is, it's right on target. Uh, crazy, man. I mean, this is like you, you scan across, um, the room and you look at people interacting with each other and you see people that are engaged and present and know how to listen and people that aren't, and it's always related to fear. Uh, are the right people seeing me? You know, should I be talking to somebody else versus the person who's secure and who's just there? Uh, something I like to do when I'm talking about this in, in larger audiences is I'll get somebody that I can build a connection with just real quick, and then I'll ask if I can use them as an example. Uh, and then I'll talk directly to them and give them a ton of affirmation about who they are. Um, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm so glad you're here. I don't know if anybody told you this, but you have, you possess courage. I mean, you're standing up here right now with me and we're exchanging, uh, or I'm, I'm telling you something about who you are. How much courage does that take? Uh, there's probably some area of your life right now where nobody knows it, but you just keep showing up. You're engaged. Props. Now, if they are driven by fear and they're not able to be happy regardless of their circumstances, so they believe a lie about who they are, there's no certainty in their identity, their head is dropping. If they're able to receive it, it feels good. They may smile. They may f- want to receive it, but not quite smile because they feel bad. Um, what you're doing when that's happening reveals what you believe about who you are. And there's so many that have never been taught this posture. And it's not something that you fake. It's not something that you're looking at and you're saying, I'm trying to prove this. It's this. There are a thousand and one reasons on any given day that you could drop your head. You're hurting, you're afraid, you're confused, you're defeated, you're facing a hard circumstance, but you only need one reason to lift your head. And that's separate from your circumstances and that's separate from your relationships. When there is no shame, when you don't feel bad about who you are, your head doesn't drop, you lift your head. When you know this deep in your guts and your bones, who you really are, you find this magical idea that you're more than your setbacks and challenges. And so we want to see what causes that head to drop or that form to break down. And if you can figure that out, then you can go, oh, 
I don't have certainty about who I am. Um, and so what I want to do is walk through some of those fears as a way of looking at this through a leadership lens because these will be clues and insights um, into what you might not believe about who you are. So one fear, we could word this way, that you're never investing in others, right? You're not developing others. You're not developing other athletes uh, on the court with you. You're not developing your team. Why? Because you fear that if you're not needed, you'll feel lost. So rather than developing and growing and empowering leaders, you just develop systems that keep you as the essential hub. It can't survive without me. Maybe for you, there's a fear that causes you to go constantly to, to go chicken little. You don't inspire confidence. You're in the position of authority as the leader, but you don't stare down the opposing forces. You just amplify what could go wrong as a way of testing people's commitment. That you want to make sure they're committed to you. And so rather than inspiring through hope, you jolt them with fear. You might, because of your fear, kick the can down the road. You know, this is the opposite overreaction from the chicken little. You gloss over reality. You ignore the glaring problems. You're afraid to address the critical issues. You postpone the decision. Why? Because you're afraid people will abandon you unless everything is great. So you construct a false peace. Um, as a leader for a long time, leading in uh, organizations where I'm getting up in front and giving reports and talking through things, I recognize within myself I wanted to gloss over the problems because if we have problems, it means I'm less than. Mm. So it's a small moment where I'm hiding because I have a fear about who I am. Why is it in quarterly reports, uh, companies that are managed well, it's a simple, open, clear report where Enron, the company that failed in uh, Texas, had a massive report with like 3,000 footnotes. Because we've got to, we've got to prove and hide. Hide. Yeah. Maybe there's a fear that you're, uh, you don't move forward with boldness, or you just jump in blindly, because you're afraid you don't have what it takes. So you either stay in the wallflower mode of being disengaged and withdrawn, or you throw strategy out the window, in good sense, and you just power over the situation to take the plunge. Both of these are because you don't want to feel the vulnerability of looking at strengths and weaknesses as you assess how to develop the necessary skills. Uh, You don't just have to kill it in one area and act foolish in the others. Maybe there's a fear uh, that you've got to win big to be worth a lot. So you're always building a future of fantasy. The big wins are all you care about. You're not addressing present concerns. You're chasing the future. The problem is you're burning out others to get there. And you'll eventually burn yourself out. Now, all of these are just like a mirror. And it's hard to see this stuff in the mirror because our brain wants more than anything a story, a narrative. And it'll construct a false narrative, blaming others. It's always somebody else's fault. So we don't have to feel the reality of these in our gut, in who we are. Maybe there's a fear that you talk a bit, you, or maybe the, because you're afraid of who you are, you talk a big game, but you don't deliver. There's hype just coursing through your veins. You actually confuse hype with motivation. You get jacked on adrenaline, and you, for a moment you'll feel relief from being found out for the fraud that you feel you are. Rather than learn you're not a fraud and find intrinsic motivation, your external hype just fades. 
When we don't know who we are, not only do we find ourselves caught up in the moment in a way that we lose sight of what's happening, we might, we'll talk about this as fear number seven or the result of it, build a shrine to the past. The anxiety of the present and the nail-biting unknown of the future causes us to stay stuck in nostalgia. We're afraid the ground beneath us is just going to give us away. So we give away. So we look for what sure footing is there and we miss the present moment to be seized. Or maybe it manifests itself this way. You're fake and everybody knows it but you. You've got a great BS game. You tell amazing stories. People laugh. But at the end of the day, you can't draw people into your leadership because your walls are rigid and imposing. People get close and you push them away afraid to be vulnerable. You're convinced you'll be hurt and so your autopilot keeps you lonely. Maybe there's a fear that you don't believe you should get that promotion or that advancement or that championship or that uh, big sale for your company or that big win. It's because you've been afraid for so long. You resent being passed over, but you won't put yourself out there in the big pond. You've never found your voice and tapped into your uniqueness. Now, when we look at these fears and we go through these, this is the truth moment. And when you look at these fears and go to this truth moment, if you're a professional, if you're an athlete, if you're an entrepreneur, startup CEO, if you've been leading in your company for a long time and it's established, all of these are there, ready to manifest themselves in our lives. And it's really hard to take a mirror and look at this. But here's the thing. As I read through those, and as you hear this or read along, some of you may go, oh, I feel a lot of those. Or I thought when he was talking about this one, there's no way that'd be me. But then I was surprised, and I think that I was that. If you want more insight into this, you can ask somebody that you feel is safe, that you trust. If you don't have anybody like this, we'll get to those mistakes later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for now, let me just say, they'll help you see the things that you might have a hard time seeing. I had to have somebody do that for me, and it put me on this path. We want this resource to be that for you. So wherever you find yourself, if you're an athlete on the court, you're looking for that small moment of where you've got to prove something, or you've got to hide, you've got to draw back, and where is it related to these fears? If you're in the boardroom and you're trying to prove or hide, where is it related to these fears? If you're at the pitch and you're trying to prove or hide, where is it related to these fears? People sniff this stuff out. You know, if you are going into the patient's room to deliver the news, if you're meeting with the client, uh, people sniff this stuff out if you're operating from fear. Our brains tap into the signal. We can hear that your saliva has dried up. You're not speaking out of a comfortable, certain place in who you are. Uh, Your tone changes. Um, Everything is communicating, even on a level that you're not always aware that your brain is translating, that fear is at work here. And this fear will cause you to build a life where you say, I can only be happy if I get certainty in what I do and certainty in my relationships. That my relationships will never fail me or hurt me. That my job and my work will always give me the needs that I have for my identity. And you'll never have those. You can only have certainty in who you are. Brent, Mm -hmm. anything you would want to add or ask about? Yeah, I want to... All this is making really good sense. And it sounds awesome. 
Um, Here's the one issue with this idea of like working through the fear is fear-based motivation works. Um, Is I've seen athletes uh, build a career off of I got to prove that I belong. I got to prove that I'm worthy. I got to prove that I'm good enough to play at this level. Um, I built the first part of my career off of creating myself the hub of our operation. And so I'd be valuable to the organization and indispensable and um, work that into a promotion. Um, so, yeah, it sounds cool to, to like get rid of the fear, but for so many people it works um they see they see results from it i love this i love how we're going through this and the way that you're challenging things and so okay uh totally agree as a short-term motivator tell me some other places where you see fear uh working you you illustrated yourself and, and said some others you may have some others that come to mind you may not i'm just curious um those are the two big ones that, that are uh, off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I, we're, we're coming up like in a – guys get drafted all the time, you know, whether it's pro baseball, pro basketball, pro football. And the guy, whoever gets drafted last in the draft, he says, I'm going to make all those other th- all those other teams that passed me up, I'm going to make them pay for saying I wasn't good enough to be drafted. And there's just this, you know, and that's a fear-based motivation, I think. So here's the way that I would say it. Fear does motivate. Fear does give energy. Um, But until we know what that fear is, we're constantly eroding who we are. So here's what I mean. Let's talk about shallow fear and then deep fear. Shallow fear. Um, am I going to have the love that I want? Am I going to have the money that I want? You know, all of these things that the the notion, the, the popular cult, culture or conversation is happening. Uh, the quickest way to jolt somebody into paying attention is to trigger point those fears. So that's the clickbait on the internet. Internet. That's uh, cable news, right? Uh, politics. You can build a brand through fear immediately. It takes a lot longer to do it through hope and love. Uh, I know I read that somewhere. I think it was Seth Godin. That was years ago. However, when it comes to, like, uh, repeat offense criminals, um, people that are struggling with health and have had a heart attack and need to make massive changes... um, the craziest thing, and there was a book called Change or Die written on this, that more facts and more fear aren't the answer because our brains live in denial. The facts are too overwhelming, the fear is overwhelming, and it produces this depression defeatism or a defensiveness denial. Um, and so we need these short-term wins where we feel relief, where we feel hope and love. So we will resist change, and he talks about this in Change or Die, because it invalidates years of earlier behavior. Um, And we don't appreciate the fact that we're constantly constructing and reconstructing ourselves. Jerome Bruner says that. So we conveniently are forgetting things and rewriting things. 
the way that we escape all of that craziness and tie into reality is understanding that uh, the fear about who we are can motivate us for a lifetime with a false energy. But we'll never know the depth of deep human connection and deep meaningful work that comes out of the authentic expression of who we are. Uh, To be shame-free. To be shame-free is to say, I've figured out the fear, and I'm not living from that fear. I still maybe make decisions out of that fear sometimes, but I catch it a lot quicker. Mm. You talk about the stages of learning, and, and you catch it after it's happened, the proving or hiding, and then you catch it in the moment that it's happening, and then you catch it before it happens. So there's a progression there, and it takes a lot of time to learn that. Yeah. But all we need them to have is one insight uh, to let that fear lose its power just a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so you can get across, you know, the finish line of life, so to speak, for lack of a better term, totally succumbing to fear. But it would be a false energy that got you there. And this is why people build lives that they regret and hate. They don't know who they are. So how many, uh, you know, people have accomplished things significant achievements and said, you know, Jim Carrey, I wish everybody could get a million dollars to know it doesn't fix things because there's that, still that fear we have about who we are. So, yeah, anything you would want to push back on that, that I would to, to, to dialogue about it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right on. I've, from my experience, like the fear-based motivation, it does work, but um, A, it wears out quicker and and B, it's exhausting. Uh, you get to bed at night, you know, you're trying to wind down from the day, and it's just an exhausting persona or pace to keep up. Um, I know once I realized that I was um, like entangling other people to make me the center of the operation, so I would be indispensable. It was exhausting to keep that up. Once I realized it was happening, I let that go. Uh, I was still valuable. I was still worthy. People still appreciated me at, at work. Um, I still got promoted, but I was so much more energized and uh, and excited to go to work the next day. And I got to sleep better at night. You know, it wasn't just a worn out um, exhaustion from trying to keep up that pace. Yeah. When you feel a fear about who you are, uh you, the anxiety drives so much of what you're doing. It's wiring your brain. When you're not living in that space, you can go to sleep as the world is ending and get the rest you need to wake up and face the battle. I mean, the best way I know to explain this is, uh, and this sets us up for the third mistake uh, things slow down into kung fu time. Mm. And so help me remember because we can open talking about that next time. Cool. So find that small moment where there's no proving or hiding uh, or find that small moment where you did prove or hide and you're deconstructing it and you're getting insight into that fear. Because if you have insight into that fear, then you get to be aware. And you may not be the most powerful person in the room or the richest person in the room, but if you're not aware... You're not standing on your own with your head lifted. Shame is at work, and you're probably being driven 
by other forces not exerting the self-control that's yours. So be free as you find out that fear. Thanks for listening. We're so glad you were here. Brett, thanks for being here uh, for another episode with this mistake. Glad to have you. Peace out, folks. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.